Hey, thanks so much for joining us at C3 Church SV for our podcast. We are so excited to share this message with you and hope you're blessed by it today. Come on, let's give Him a mighty praise, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Awesome God. Awesome God. Man, it feels alive today. I feel like God wants to do something important in the lives of His people today. Just maybe, just maybe God has something significant for you today. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? Well, what an exciting and monumental day we have today. This is what we're calling Launch Sunday. And we've got, we've got so much going on. I, I tell you, we are launching so many things today. One of, the, one of the team members this morning said, this church is like NASA because we keep launching stuff, I tell you. And today we're, we're, we're letting some things fly. We're launching some things this morning. Firstly, we're launching a campus today. We're launching a campus in downtown San Jose. Come on, let's welcome downtown San Jose. They're watching live right now. They're joining us together. One church and many locations. How are we doing, San Jose? I feel like, come on, let's, let's welcome Palo Alto as well. From San Jose, Palo Alto. Palo Alto meets San Jose. It's a good union. I like it. We've got Adam and Amy Hahn down there leading the team. Phenomenal team that are down there. Little known fact, Adam Hahn was in fact a turf scientist. Turf scientist. I mean, how many of them do you know? Zero. Turf scientist from Indiana, now leading churches and preaching the Word of God and doing incredible things. Vance is there as well, Pastor Vance. He's down there for Launch Sunday, stirring things up. My wife, Kira, she's in Mexico today. No, we're not starting a campus in Mexico yet, but... But she's there preaching the Word of God and uh, she's cheering us on from Mexico. And uh, I'm just so excited to be fulfilling part of the vision. Our first step in making history today is we plan a campus and we spread out and we keep populating the Bay Area, seeing revival. How many people are keen of that? Come on. Not only are we launching a campus today, as you heard, we're launching Love SV. This is our community outreach our community impact initiative where we're going to be partnering with incredible organizations like Bayshore Ministries, like Siena Youth Center, Home for Humanity, Habitat for Humanity. We're building homes and we're challenging you to, to sign up and be a part of this. We're not one of those churches where the church puts things on. We're one of those churches where we do things as a church. And I want you to, do, I want you to make sure you sign up. Can you sign up today? Sign up for some hours. We're spending a whole week serving. And, and that means you. I want you to, don't point to your neighbor. Point to yourself for a moment. Just point to yourself. I, I will wait for everybody to point. I'm telling you, I can see you. You're not in the dark. I will wait. I will call you out. Let's point to ourselves and say, I'm going to sign up for this. I'm going to be the church. Because we don't do church when we meet together. We do church when we go out and we take the love of Jesus into our community. Hallelujah. But not only are we launching those two things, we're also launching a brand new series today. How many people enjoyed our last series, I Love My Church? Was anybody blessed by that? Well, today we're launching a brand new series called Milk and Meat. Milk and Meat. I was told earlier in the first service that it was auto-corrected to somebody to milkshake and meatballs. I don't know what that is. Maybe there's some, something theological about that, but it's milk and meat, okay? Don't add anything to it. It's milk and meat. Okay, it took hours to come up with that. Milk and meat. And we've got a tagline that goes with this called Deep 
but not drowning. And I'm believing it's going to make a whole lot more sense by the time we're done today. But why don't you do something across all locations? Why don't you just high five five people, find five people, high five them and tell them I'm deeper than you think. Why don't you do that? Tell them I'm deeper than you think. I'm deeper than you think. Five people, five people, five people. I'm deeper than you think. I'm deeper than you think. I'm deeper than you think. Come on, can we thank our worship teams at both locations this morning? Worshiping God all over the city. You can take a seat this morning. I want you to do something in preparation for the Word of God this morning. Why don't you take out your notepads, take out your pens. We all know that the more notes you take, the, the better position you get in heaven. It's theological. It's in the Bible somewhere. I don't know where, but, but just trust me on that one. And I want you to write at the top of your notes. I'm going to help you in your note taking this morning. I want you to write at the top of your notes the words slow to grow. Slow to grow. This is my series title. And, and you're going to be able to write notes until your heart's content. If you don't have a notepad, you can use your SV Love Week, Love SV book. You can do that. Don't read it. Take notes because that will not bless me or please the Lord. But... But note-taking will absolutely please the Lord. But as we've been kind of preparing for this series, you know, I have a, phone, a folder on my phone called Series and Sermons. And it's a folder that I will keep and that I will add to from time to time as God will speak to me in sometimes conversations that I'll have or even random things that will take place. God will speak to me specific things that, that at the time don't seem that profound, but seem fascinating. And it's fascinating how profound they become when it comes time to preach a sermon or a series. And, and what I've discovered in, in doing this for a while now is that God will speak to you in, in a vast variety of ways if you're just open to it. It's amazing how God will speak to you specifically in, in different ways. I was, I was talking to my barista the other day. Not, not really my barista. It's not like he's my personal barista. I'm not that addicted to coffee. But, but you know, the barista at my coffee shop. And, and we were talking the other day about just movies. We were just talking. And it was fascinating. He was talking about how, how pop culture right now, it used to be back in the day, it was way better. Because nowadays, the popular movies are things like Fifty Shades of Grey. Does anybody know that kind of show, right? That's, everyone's like, ooh. Yeah, I know. But, but. <laughs> But the story's going somewhere because he was like, he was really upset about it because he's like, and he said to me, because he knows I'm a preacher. And he said, you know what we should do? We should make a movie called 50 Ways to Stay. And I thought, man, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to write that in my series and sermons folder because that would be a great relationship series. How many people know that? And then I'll just tell you like I came up with it and then you'll praise me and be very happy. But, but you know, this is how, how God speaks to us. God will speak to you if you're simply open to it. God will use your surroundings, He will use your circumstances and even those around you to reveal what He is wanting to develop in you. In fact, when Jesus taught, He was the master of illustration. How many people know that? Jesus was able to use, whether it was a fig tree or a coin, He was able to take that element and, and unveil these brilliant concepts of the kingdom of God so, so marvelously. In fact, we read in John 13 that Jesus was in the upper room with the disciples before He went to the cross. And so amazing was Jesus, he was using the very meal that they were eating together. And he was talking about breaking bread and how his body would be broken for them. And every time they break bread, would they remember him and remember what he's done and remember salvation. And then the story continues to go that in, in the end of John 14, you can check this out yourself in your own time. But at the end of John 14, he says, let's be going. And then you think that's the end of the conversation, but, but it doesn't. The conversation continues. It just goes mobile. And as Jesus walks down through the olive grove and through the vineyard, he, he around them would have been 
in vines and grapes and olive groves all growing together. And that's when Jesus begins to articulate that he is the true vine and they are his branches. What a marvelous understanding. And when we put it in context that Jesus was using the elements around him to speak the truths of the kingdom to the disciples. What a perfect picture of, of illustration that Jesus used, that the very surroundings of what, around you is what God wants to use to build something in you. And it's fascinating to me how I can be adding thoughts to a folder for, for some time and not know when the right time is, but all of a sudden God will use it in a specific sermon for your benefit. And this series is very much the same way. For us as a church, we've been, we've been growing in the natural We've been seeing a lot of people added to the church. In fact, even whole families have been coming to Christ. You can praise Jesus for that. I'm giving you opportunity to get your praise on this morning. Even whole families have been coming to Christ. And we're continuously grateful to really just be a part of what God is doing. But I feel at this stage in our church growth, I feel a healthy question to ask ourselves would be, is our spiritual growth keeping pace with our natural growth? How many people would like to think that they're growing with God? That you're growing in your walk with Him? But here's a question. How do, we, how do we measure spiritual growth? How do we actually know if we're progressing in our walk with Him? I want to use this first installment today to discover what it really means to walk with God and to grow spiritually. Is anybody excited to, to discover that together this morning? There's a passage in... 1 Corinthians, a letter in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. It's a, a letter written by Paul during a time where Corinth, the city, was known as an influential city and a prosperous city. But it wasn't just known for its influence. It was also known for its immorality. And Paul had received reports that this kind of living that was in the city had started to infect the church. And the church had begun to, to lose its edge. And so Paul writes a letter to them addressing some issues and effectively reminding them of who they are, reminding them of their identity, reminding them that, that now that they've chosen to follow Christ, that there should be something different about their life, that there should be something noticeably different, that, that he, he was challenging them saying that, that now that you've chosen to follow Christ and Christ is in your life, don't, don't just make Jesus an addition to your life. Allow Jesus to transform your life. Allow Him to transform every area of your life. Don't hold anything back. Would you, would you just lay everything on the table? Because they were only giving Him part. They were making Jesus an addition. But what it was doing is it was disrupting their influence. And so Paul writes to them. And in chapter 3, we have Paul addressing them in this area of spiritual growth. Let's read it together. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. What, he, what he's saying is he's, he's saying, I had, to, I had to give you milk because you weren't ready for, for meat. You couldn't handle the meat. In the same way that a baby needs milk that is easily digestible, so you need milk of the Word because you can't really stomach the meat. You're really not at a level of maturity where you can have the meat. It's not processing right. Now what Paul is not saying is he's not taking a pious position of a theologian and, 
elevating himself and his knowledge above them. That's not what he, he could have, but that's not what he was doing. He was simply alerting them to the understanding that just as an infant develops from milk to meat, so does the believer becoming mature and developed and not easily influenced by false doctrine or worldly living. And so he's addressing them in their spiritual development or lack of it. And he says this, he says, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And he says, you still aren't ready. For you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the good work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God that made it grow. Verse 7, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. I want us to look at that word grow in the context of what Paul is talking about the context of spiritual growth. How many people know that growth is a continual process? Everyone say process. I was in Australia just a couple of weeks back doing some ministry and I had an opportunity to, to visit my family and spend some time with my, my brothers. And, and, you know, many of my brothers have got kids now. One of my brothers has got, he just had his second child. He's just, just had their second child. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not the oldest brother, but I was the first to get married and definitely was the first to have kids. And I always remind them that this guy was not staying on the market very long at all. I mean, they, they had some time on the market. I was, I was taken off really early. And, and can they blame me? Anyway, so, so we, were, we were talking and we're talking about Medea, my firstborn, how when she was first, first, first came into the world, how, how protective I was as a dad. And we were laughing at it because I was, I was protective. I, I know it. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. You know, on your firstborn, we've had second and third time around now. And, and you know, you really, it changes, okay? It's like you fend for yourself, right? You just, you make it happen. But, but with your firstborn, you're a little bit more protective. But can I, anybody know what I'm talking about? And I can remember being in the delivery room and being angry because of the way that the nurse was handling my daughter. Because you know what it's like. It's, it's, it's like when they first come out, they're so fragile, they're so precious. And, and the doctor's so nice, he pulls it out and is like, hey, here you go. And hands it to you and you're cradling him. You're using every muscle in your body just to make sure you don't drop the baby. You know what I mean? And, and, and you're cradling, you're enamored. And then the, the nurse gives you a moment. And they're like, hey, let's, can we just take her now? And we just want to clean her up a little bit. And present and we're like, okay, and weigh her. Okay, okay. And so you're reluctantly let her go and then you do a nice little handoff you know it's like it's like you like you like hand off really carefully and in the moment they get it they just hold it by one foot they put it on the table and they slap it around you're like oh my gosh it's like my daughter anybody know what I'm talking about remember telling the nurse nurse this is my this is my daughter you be careful but I was I was a little bit crazy as a parent I was a little bit overprotective we're talking about me and my brothers one time when we're in the pool together and we had like a pool party had a few guys over and we were, we were playing volleyball in the pool and and Medea was she was off to the side near the pool she was just standing off to the side and my brother he decided it would be great to throw a volleyball at another guy's head generally fun stuff but but you got to make sure you connect because when you don't connect the volleyball goes flying past the the target and it flies into my daughter and knocks her in the head into the concrete 
And I can remember that it hit Medea, knocked her into the concrete. I jumped out of the pool. I ran over and I scooped her up. And everyone's panic stations. Everyone's running over. Oh, no, is she okay? Is she okay? And I can remember the look on my brother's face at the time. And he reminded me of this, that he had a look of, what's, what's the big deal, man? And I can remember the look of, I'm going to knock you out, okay? I'm not going to use a volleyball. I'm going to use my fist, okay? And it's going to come straight for your head. I will not miss. You know what I mean? And that's, that's how that conversation went. And they were talking about it. We were laughing about it because he's like, yeah, but you're so much more chill now. And my, my youngest brother, who's about to, have, they're about to have their first child, he's like, I guess it gets easier the older they get. And I said, actually, no. I said, no, it, in fact, it only gets more difficult the older they get. Because when they're young, you can eliminate certain elements. But when they get older, you can't, you can't run in and scoop them up. When they're out with their friends, you can't run in and scoop them up and, and protect them. And my older brother, he... He said something really profound, rare, but profound. (laughs) He said, it doesn't get easier. It's just that through the process of parenting, you're forced to trust God more as they grow and become more independent. It's just through through the process of parenting, you're forced to trust God more. Everyone say process. I think it's hilarious. At times when we do pre-marriage counseling with couples and, and we do that a bit, we've done it a lot. And I think it's hilarious when, when they fight and argue over wedding plans. I often laugh at them. I laugh in their face because, because what I want to do is I think it's hilarious how stressed out they are about the wedding plans, about what seat cover will go on and what sash will go around and they're arguing. And, and I really want to shortcut the whole process for the guy and I want to speak to him and I want to say, dude, forget it. You will not win. Okay. I just want to shortcut that whole process. But how many people know it's a process of learning for the guys? Okay. One day you'll just wave the white flag and say, honey, whatever you want. It's the key to successful marriage. Forget marriage seminar. But I want to shortcut the process, but I don't because I know it's a process. I know it's a process of trying to figure out how to make a wedding work. Because if you can't figure out how to make a wedding work, how many people know you'll never figure out how to make a marriage work? And so there is a process involved. And, and, and the difference is between a wedding and a marriage is a wedding is a project where a, where, where a marriage is a process. Wow. And then one preacher, I heard one preacher say this one time, this is often how we view our spiritual walk or our walk with God. We Our our walk with God is a process, not a project. We'd like it to be a project. We'd like for God to use us like a project and and progress us from one point to another. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if we could sit in a sermon and hear the preaching on forgiveness, for instance. Let's say we sit in a sermon and we hear the preacher talk about forgiveness and it really convicts us. God speaks to our heart. And in that moment on the altar, we say, God, I forgive all those that have wronged me. And now I walk out of this place, I'm a forgiving person. Sometimes it works like that, for reals, until 9 a.m. Monday morning when you're on the 101 and the first person to cut into you undoes every good work that God did the night before. He does it, undoes everything. The enemy just creeps into the 101 and undoes, undoes all that work that God did on that altar. Am I right? Can I get a real church in here? I often am encouraged when God does a work in me and I feel like I'm, I'm progressing so well. I feel like I'm a forgiving person and God does a work in me and I feel like I'm such a forgiving person until I jump on social media and I see the person that I forgave doing amazingly and all of a sudden there's this feeling on the inside of me that's not conducive with forgiveness. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is it okay if I preach real stuff to you today? 
I'm just going to teach you some stuff, but I'm going to get real too. Is that okay? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, 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 you thought you forgave them, but you realize that when you see them do so well, they, they, they got a job promotion or they, they did something amazing. You just feel like inside you're not typing, well done, with a happy smile. You're, you're typing, well done, awesome, love that. But it's in that moment that reality sets in and you realize I'm not as far as I thought I was. Not as far as I thought I was. And this is how we see growth. We see growth as a straight line from here to there. We see growth, our spiritual growth, as God, I'm, I'm here and I know I want to get there. I know, I know where I want to go. I know where you've got for me. And, and I know that right here I'm, I'm dealing with some, some stuff on the inside of me. I know I've got to grow past some stuff. But, but God, I'm working on it. And, and God, I know I'm going to graduate it. And, and maybe here we're, we're dealing with, with, with anxiety. Maybe, maybe this is the point that we're dealing with. We're dealing with anxiety. But I'm going to get that licked. I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to listen to a sermon. I'm going to download the sermon. I'm going to listen to it over. And now I'm, now I'm going to move from anxiety. And then I'm going to move on to, to this point. And, and maybe this is trusting God. Maybe this is the point of just trusting Him and, 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 and believing in Him and, and dealing with some insecurity. Securities. And maybe I'm going to just get this, but I'll stay here for a little while. I know maybe I'm paused for a little bit, but I'm eventually going to move on and I'm going to move to, to this point, which is, which is just maybe, maybe just have an anger. Maybe I got to deal with that anger. I'm going to be not, I'm not going to be an angry person anymore. I'm going to drive so calmly on the 101. I'm not going to be an angry person. Or maybe we don't see it as a straight line. Maybe we see spiritual growth like a, like a set of stairs, right? We start down on this level and, and it's like our, our, we're going to progress in our spiritual walk, right? We stay, start down here with anxieties and, and one day we're going to beat it. One day we're going to get out of our anxious state and we're going to, we're going to move to this, this place of trusting God and dealing with our insecurities, right? And then, then we're going to grow from that place of dealing with insecurities. And, and the next thing we're going to take on, God, because I did that, I'm going, to, I'm going to come up here. I'm going to come a little higher in the Lord. Praise Jesus. And I'm going to start to deal with my anger issues. And, but, but then what happens is in the midst of dealing with our anger, something happens and then we get insecure, and this is confusing because we thought we dealt with insecurity. We thought we were on to anger. I thought I did that. I thought I checked that off. But in the midst of insecurity, all of a sudden anxiety sets in. And we were meant to be up there, but we're all the way back at the start. And this is what can get confusing in our life when it comes to our spiritual growth. We want to see spiritual growth as, as a project that we, that we complete. A project that we do and we put away. A project that we progress from. Is anybody here? A a project that we we progress further from. When in reality, it's actually a process that can be discouraging if you don't understand what Paul is teaching. And I think the problem is in the way we see growth. We want our spiritual growth to be a life-size to-do list. How many people love to-do lists? Do I have any to-do list people? You love making lists. You like you'll, you'll make lists. We like we like making lists. Why? Because we get to check stuff off, right? We get to complete something. And almost in life, we we do this with God. We have a life-size to-do list because we want God to see how good we're doing. We're like God. You see how good I'm doing? See how how much of a man of God I am? I, I'm progressing in my walk. See, I used to be there with other people. But now I'm here. God, can't you see how good I'm doing? We want God to be pleased with how good we're doing. Am I preaching real stuff? We want God to be. But, but, but God never called us to do. God never called us to do things. 
God called us to be someone, to be like Him, to be made in His image. And I love what Pastor Larry Bryce said at the Hub the other day. He's like, quit making a to-do list. When was the last time you made a to-be list? I like that. When was the last time you made it to be like him? Uh, this is what I'm going to be like him. I'm going to reflect his glory. This is, I, I forget what I'm doing. I want to, I want to know who I'm being. And this is who God's called us to be, having identity in him. But the problem is we're focused on doing. And that's where our frustration comes from in our spiritual growth. It comes from thinking that we should be further along than we actually are. I was talking, uh, I was at a conference recently talking with a pastor friend of mine who's got a church of about 20,000 people. And, and I, I, you know, I say friend, we've only met one time, but, but I feel like we hit it off really well. And if we met again, our friendship would only go next level, trust me. But, but, but he's more like a mentor and an inspiration. And we had an opportunity just to spend some time together and chat and it was awesome just talking about different uh, levels of growth and talking about our church and the different levels of growth that we've been in and the different phases that we've gone through. We were talking about all kinds of struggles that we've had, the heartache, the hardships, the hard people. Don't look at me surprised. Some of you are hard work, okay? And we were talking about that. And I said to him, I'm, I'm so excited for, and I'm looking forward to being able to graduate these stages. I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to leave these stages behind. And he just laughed at me, which was not very, very nice. But then he proceeded to say, you never graduate. He said, each stage of growth has the same struggles. They're just bigger. He's like, you think you have troubles at 500? Wait till you're 5,000. You've got 4,500 more struggles. I said, well, that's encouraging. And he said, no, it is. Because each time you circle that problem, you'll have a greater insight because of what God did inside you the last time. You may be more resilient, you may react differently, but ultimately, he said this, God uses what you're going through to grow you. God uses what you're going through to grow you. God uses what's around you. God uses what surrounds you. God uses the people and the problems in your life to develop something greater in you. This is how good our God is. He is able to use your situation. God didn't cause your situation, but He's able to use it to do the very work that He wants to do inside of you and make you stronger because of it and grow you out of that place. This is what Paul was saying to the Philippians. We read it earlier in Philippians 2 verse 12. He says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away... It's even more important. He said, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you. God, God's working in you. He's got a plan for you. And is it possible that God is more interested in the depth of your growth rather than the pace of your growth? Is it, is it possible that God is more concerned with how deep you're growing and how deep the work is rather than how fast your growth rate is. Because we want to grow from here and we want to check this off and then we want to check this off, but there's nothing more frustrating when we're circling the same problem. I had the courage the other day to ask Kira what my blind spots were. You know, what, what are the areas I need to 
I need to work on. And I bet you didn't, I bet I didn't have to ask twice too. I bet you she just had a pre-prepared list ready to go. Does any husbands know what you're talking about? They, they, your wife already has a whole list of stuff just waiting for the moment that you want to ask it. And she began to rattle it off. I will add that she didn't offer me the same thing, opportunity either. Okay. She just decided I'm going to take this and run. And it was, it was one of those things where she was listing all this stuff and, and, and she began to list just item after item after item. And, and what was frustrating to me, and I was getting a little bit agitated, not for any other reason, but, but none of them were blind spots. I was well aware of every single one of them. And I was getting frust- so frustrated because these are the things I've been working on for the longest time. Would you like to know what they are? Well, I'm not going to tell you. I don't need you to judge me. I've got a wife for that. But I'm so frustrated because I'm working on these things for the longest time. I've been, I've been working on these things forever. And I, I was saying to Kim, I'm so frustrated about this because I, I felt like I'd be better than that by now. I'm frustrated because on the inside, I know I've got them, but I thought that I had them masked. I thought that at least they were hidden. I didn't think that somebody else would, 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 would identify with them. I was, I was well aware of them. And as I was thinking about it, and as I was talking about it, I was reminded of what my friend said in Australia. He said, each time you circle that thing, you have a greater insight because of what God did inside you the last time. Each time you circle that thing. I I was profoundly impacted when he said, each time you circle that thing, because we see our spiritual growth as a straight line. We see our spiritual growth as a trajectory. We see our spiritual growth as one place to another, as a, as a, a process of or a project where we, we complete that and now we're on to the next thing. But, but we know it's not a project. We know it's a process where, in fact, we keep circling the same thing time and time again. But the power is in knowing that each time I circle something, just maybe God's doing something deeper in my life. Just maybe the... Each time I circle something, God is developing something deeper in me. And maybe growth is not so much a straight line, but what if growth was more like a path around our problems? What if, what if spiritual growth was more like a circle around our struggles? Just maybe, maybe the first time we, we, we pass it, and maybe I can use my pulpit as a, as a preaching prop for a moment, because let's, let's represent this as a struggle. I don't know what your struggle is. I know what my struggle is, and I'm, I'm sharing my struggles, but, but you picture your struggle. And let's just say that this is the struggle of anxiety. You know, the first time we circle it, the first time we, we encounter it, we, the first thing we do is deny it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And some of us stay in this place for a long time. Well, we're denying that that's even a, a reality in our life. We're, we're in that denial stage, but but, but there is a time where we go past the struggle and it's like a circle that we're on where we keep circling life. We keep walking around in life. We keep making these circles and God is developing something in us as we read the Word. Yeah, I'm reading the Word and I'm, I, I'm developing in my walk with God. But then all of a sudden we come up against this struggle again and we're facing the same struggle. And, but, but I like it this time and this is a great understanding to know that the first time around, maybe I circle it at a surface level. Maybe I'm denying that it even 
happens or it's even a reality. But hopefully through the process of walking with God, hopefully through the process of hearing from God, hopefully through the process as I'm reading His Word and I'm listening to the sermons and I'm applying the Word of God and I'm letting God work on the inside of me, it doesn't necessarily mean it removes the struggle. But the next time I come around, hopefully I'm, I'm looking at it from a deeper level. Well, now I'm not denying it. Maybe I'm looking at my reactions to it. Maybe I'm looking at the what it causes in me. Maybe I'm looking at what it does inside of me. Maybe I'm dressing that level. And, and then we keep going around. And this is what life looks like. It looks like a path that we keep paving. It looks like a lap around our laziness. It looks like a circle around our struggle. It looks like we keep circling the same thing. And the first time I looked at the surface level, I looked, I started to deny it. The second time I, I looked at what it caused in me and my behaviours and my patterns. And maybe now I'm circling at an even deeper level and I'm looking at the motivations as why is this caused in me? What caused this? And this is what I feel like spiritual growth is. It's not so much a straight line, but maybe it's a circle and a circle and a circle around the same struggles, but God's doing something deeper. Just maybe. Maybe it's a, it's a focus work that God's doing in us. Maybe it's not what we're doing for God, but what God's doing in us. It's a process where God is doing a deeper work. That even though I'm circling the same issues, the same struggles and the same pain, it's no longer at a surface level. I'm now at a deeper level. And I love this understanding that, because what that means is each time I make a revolution, God brings a different revelation. Each time I make a revolution around my struggle, the hope is that God brings a greater revelation, that He does a deeper work, that I can see His plan. I can begin to see His purpose in this. This is not just for no reason. This is something God's doing on the inside of me. Why don't you turn your neighbor and say, I'm deeper than you think. Come on, it's a turn your neighbor and say, I'm deeper than you think. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I hear the craziest things. I'll be real with you. I can, I can, I can be preaching. I can go out into the lobby and I'll meet someone for the first time and they'll be like, oh, Pastor, like great preaching, great, amazing word. And I love the teaching, love the illustrations. I love it. Great preaching. It is awesome for people who are new to faith. But I'm looking for something deeper. And you know, the first time you hear that, you can kind of think, wow, man, these guys must be like deep. Because I'm teaching stuff God's working on me. I'm not just teaching basic, I'm teaching the stuff that God's dealing with in me. So these guys must be real deep. If There must be like some seminary doctorate degree level or something. But, but then I realised that what they want and what they're asking for in reality is for someone to preach stuff that they don't understand. They're asking for someone to preach something that goes way over their head. Because when you don't understand it, that gives you the excuse to not do anything as a result. When you don't understand it, you don't have to apply it. But when God speaks revelation into your life, there is a requirement to go and apply it now. And so when we sit under these kinds of teaching that goes right over our head, then it's easy for us to ignore any application as a result. And I like this because this is my understanding when it comes to milk and meat. The very thing that turns the Word of God from milk to meat has nothing to do with the content. It's got nothing to do with the content. It's got everything to do with the application. I'm going to preach that again. This is, really, this is my best preaching. That's my best preaching right there. You're not even cheering. 
It's got nothing to do with the content. When Paul was coming to the Corinthians, he wasn't watering down the truth. You can't give part truth. It's not like he can say, hey, I'm just going to water down the truth. I'm going to make it easy for you to palate. No, no, no. He's not, he's not watering down the truth of God. He's still preaching the same Bible. Why is it that someone can read the Word of God and it can be milk to them but meat to somebody else? It has nothing to do with the content. It has everything to do with the application. Am I going to apply this into my life? That's what makes someone deep. Am I going to apply the Word of God? Am I going to allow it to be meat that, new, that is nutrients to my life? Or is it going to be like a, like a dairy laxative that goes in one end and out the other? Is it going to be like just flow straight through me? Or is it going to be like the meat that gets lodged in my life and starts to build into my life and becomes nutrient for my soul because I'm applying the Word of God? And this is what Paul was talking to. He was talking to a church that wasn't applying it. A church that was, so, was staying at surface level. They weren't giving everything to God. They were holding back. They weren't saying, God, take every area of my life. They were were giving them their behaviours. But God was like, come on, there is a deeper work I want to do in you. I want to transform you. I don't want to be an addition to your life. I want to transform your life, every part of your life. You know, going deep with God doesn't mean we're drowning. God wants us deep, not drowning. God doesn't want us so lost in ambiguity and theological concepts that we're helpless to anybody else. No, God wants us to be deep in Him so that we apply the Word of God and as a result, we can be changed and then change others. It's in applying the Word of God to my everyday situations, circumstances and struggles. Take Paul, for example. Paul, many of his, many of his letters were known as prison epistles. And that was simply because he wrote them from prison. He, he wrote them while he was in chains. Paul didn't write the gospel. Paul didn't write the Bible. He didn't write the, the Word of God from a monastery or from a removed place from reality. No, Paul's doctrine came from the dungeon. Paul, Paul wrote his doctrine from, from, from the prison, from the, from the place of pain and suffering and heartache. He wrote it out of that place. And I like that understanding that, that God in this Bible is not just a whole heap of theological understanding that's removed from my everyday situation. No, God wants to apply the Word of God right in the midst of my everyday situation and struggle and circumstance and trial and everything else that I can face in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my hurt. God wants to develop that in me. God is doing a work in you. This is, this is growth. This is what it is to grow spiritually. There is nothing deeper. There is nothing deeper than the grace of God, lives coming into salvation, and then as a result, dealing with real stuff. There is nothing deeper than bringing people into that relationship with Jesus and seeing them walk that path where they deal with real struggles in their life. And this was I love this, Paul's revelation. Paul's revelation was this, that beneath the process is God's power. He says this in verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You don't have to face your struggles on your own. Come on, God's power is at work within you, growing you into who He has called you to be. Can, this is what 2 Corinthians 9, later in 2 Corinthians, Paul, he, he writes this. He says, my, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Come on, it's in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your trial is where God's power is made most manifest. It's where God's power is shown the best. It's where God's power is glorified. It's in the midst of your weakness. When you get beyond what you can do, you find your place, 
yourself in a place where it's saying, God, who have you called me to be? You see that God's power is made perfect in that place because it's His strength, not yours. You know, this kind of growth may seem slower as we spend a lifetime working through our struggles, even at times barely progressing beyond it. But just maybe growth is growing deeper than we thought, despite not being as far as we thought. Maybe, maybe, maybe our spiritual growth is about growing deeper. Maybe our, our spiritual growth is about God doing a work in us. Maybe, maybe it's deeper than we thought rather than further than we thought because we can get frustrated when we think, I'm meant to be farther than this. I'm meant to be so much further along the line. I'm meant, to, I'm meant to be down the track, but now I'm still back at this place. I'm still struggling with this thing. I'm still facing off with this thing. And we can get so frustrated. We say, God, why am I still here in this place? And we seek because that's because we see growth wrong. We see growth as somewhere where we should be. I should be that far along. But is God able to do a deeper work in this issue and this issue and this issue and this issue all at the same? time as we keep circling life and we can keep dealing with this while I'm dealing with that and God is able to do a mighty work on the inside of me as I keep facing off with the same things allowing God through applying His Word just through applying His Word and I feel like this is what God wants to speak to some people here that have felt you felt paused in your progress it's like you've been facing off with the same struggles for the longest time. You felt stagnant in life. And I feel to encourage you today and remind you that the very times you struggle the most are the very opportunities for God to take you deeper than He has ever has before. The very times that you struggle the most, the very times that you find that is the hardest struggle where you struggle the most are the very times and the very opportunities that God wants to use to take you deeper than you've ever been before. You might think, man, I face this, but why is this time so much harder? Why is this time so much more difficult? God, why is this time it feels like I want to quit and I want to give up and I can't move forward? God's like, this is the very opportunity for me to show you my faithfulness and my power at a deeper level than you've ever been before. God uses our struggles. Can I read one more scripture to you? I'm bringing it to an end. I'm bringing it to an end. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. Just as you, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you received Him, now continue. Doesn't that word continue sound like a process? Doesn't it sound like a process? Oh, but we, want to, we just want to arrive. And then give me the next thing. No, 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 no. God's saying, just as you received Him, now continue. There is a, there, there is a, there is a, 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 a pretense here. There is a context here that, that contradicts Himself. Have we arrived, God, or are we still arriving? Both. God's like, you've arrived because I love you and I accept you. But, but now continue to outwork the process. But continue it in me. Continue it in my power. Don't try and do it on your own. Don't try and struggle in your own ability and your own power. Would you rely on me as you apply the Word of God? Watch as I, as I move you in that place to a deeper level where, where it's not now just what I do in you. Maybe it's what I do in you so that I can do something through you. Maybe God wants to do something out of you. And your struggles, as you keep circling that struggle, just maybe you'll get to a point where God can use that as a ministry place out of your struggle. I love that Paul, he says that he dealt with the, the, the Bible says that he had a thorn in the flesh. 
he prayed three times for God to take it away, but, but God wouldn't take it away. And I like that God didn't take it away because what that shows me is God was still able to use Paul even though he was struggling. God was still able to use Paul in the midst of his struggle, even though he circled his struggle time and time again. God still used him profoundly to minister to me and to minister to you. And just maybe God wants to take you to that depth where the thing that you're struggling with becomes the very opportunity for you to glorify God to somebody else. That if God can use me in the midst of my struggle, God can take you just as you are. This is good preaching. Why don't we stand right across this place? Because I know this Word is going to speak to some people across all locations that stand right now. Let's stand in the presence of God. Because I know this Word is for somebody today. I know this word is for somebody who's felt paused in your progress. You've seen your growth as linear and you felt disheartened. You felt dejected because you see yourself as growing but then returning. You feel like you're not really progressing. You you feel like you're just treading water. You feel like you're you're still dealing with the same anxieties. You're still dealing with the same fears. Every time that the opportunity to respond to God comes, you're still dealing with the same things. But maybe God today wants to reveal if, if you would just see it a different way. Maybe you're not as far as you thought, but maybe you're deeper than you are. Maybe you're deeper than you thought you were. Maybe I've developed something. Maybe I'm taking you deeper even now. With each revolution comes a greater revelation. And I want to create an opportunity for some people to bridge a gap that you have felt has been caused between you and God because of those struggles. You felt like because you haven't progressed You haven't been able to get nearer to God. That's a lie of the devil. Because every work that God does is in Him. Continue in Him. God is big enough to be in your struggles with you. He is big enough to meet you in the midst of your storm. He is big enough to meet you in the midst of your heartache. So right across this place, why don't we do something? Why don't we close our eyes and just bow our heads? across both locations right now. And I want to create an opportunity, no matter where you are right now, to acknowledge that you want to come closer to God. You acknowledge that there's been a gap. You're acknowledging that there has been a a void. And that you want to bridge that gap today and say, God, no matter where I am in my growth, I don't want to hold any areas back any longer. God, I don't want you to be an addition to my life. God, I want, I want you to transform my life. I want to give you every area of my life. God, would you transform me from the inside out as I make myself available today? So I'm going to ask across this place, if you would let me pray for you, if that's you and you're saying, yep, I want to come closer to God today, I'm going to ask you, just give me a wave so I can know who that is. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to acknowledge who I'm praying for today. So if that's you and you're saying, I'm coming closer to God today, maybe you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been far from Him, but you're saying, come on, I'm growing close today. Give me a little wave so I know what I'm praying for. My goodness, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hands all over the place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, you see every hand lifted high. God, let it be an opportunity for someone to bridge the gap this morning. God, let there be an acknowledgement of them wanting to come closer to You, to draw closer to You, to offering up their whole life, no longer holding anything back, but saying, God, I'm available. God, if You want to draw close, I'm, I'm ready. God, take me deeper today. Do that deeper work. Continue the process today. God, as I give You the permission, not prevent You, but give You permission to do what You want to do in my life so that, Lord, we can be a people that will glorify You even greater as a result. So God, we give You our lives 
today in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, can we give God some praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Him a mighty praise. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information about C3 Church SV, to plan your first visit, or if you'd like prayer for anything, please visit us on our website at c3sv.com.